You're listening to the Redemption Church Podcast. We hope that you're encouraged by today's message. I know you're going to be super blessed tonight as uh, Pastor Tripp comes up and gives us a message and, uh, and shares what the Lord has put on his heart. So I'm going to pray for him and then let him take it away. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for this brother, Lord. We just thank you for what a blessing that he is. And we just pray that your spirit, Lord, would speak through him tonight, Lord, and that you would touch our hearts, Lord, that you would encourage us and strengthen us, Lord, and uplift us, Lord. So, uh, Lord, we just ask, Lord, that you would guide and direct him. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Good evening. Good evening. Oh, come on. Come on. You can do better than that. All right, that's a little better. So I want to share a little bit with you on what we call the Great Commission. And I have a question is, what do you think, how do you think we're doing in in terms of the church overall? Not just in America, but just church overall. How well do you think we're doing in fulfilling the Great Commission? Now, if you're not familiar with the Great Commission, I'll, I'll explain what it is. Uh, in a little while here. But I want to present that to you and and let you know that, you know, first of all, uh, uh, thanks for the the intro and all that stuff. Um, It always makes me a little uh, uneasy. You know, I I, I always want to say, I have no idea who they're talking about, but uh, they just told me to get up and give the message. So here, here you go. But On a more serious note, Susan and I, my wife and I, uh, came to the Lord during the very early Jesus moment, and we just kind of jumped into ministry without really thinking about it, which uh, if we had thought about it, we probably wouldn't have jumped into ministry. But anyway, the the point being that that God just kind of just took us along. Uh, We we worked in a retreat ministry, church, and, and all along the way, God began to prepare us for whatever was the next thing. Then I went and planted a church. From there, uh, we moved to the Philippines. Uh, we served over there for about 20, almost uh, 24 years, and um, started a, a ministry for abandoned babies and children and abused girls, which basically grew out of uh, continuing to take care of children since we had been uh, you know, newly married and uh, newly born again. and. Um, and I did uh, a, uh, started a Bible college, and I worked with uh, training pastors and leaders. And then the Lord brought us home to take care of uh, my dad and then my mom, and now we're still taking care of uh, Susan's mom. And it was, you know, at one point, we had two full-time ministries going on with staffs of about 20 to 22 people in each compound and buildings and a lot of stuff going on. And we came back to take care of my dad in 2005. And uh, our, our big decisions were, we'd have, Susan and I would have our staff meeting. And the two of us would get together each day and just say, okay, so uh, what she would want to know, what is she going to cook for dinner that night? And I wanted to, I had to figure out what time I was going to take my dad to Starbucks because that was kind of his social uh, interaction for the day. And, I mean, it's like our lives just went, it was like we hit a floor all of a sudden. Like we were up in the, you know, 
the tallest building in the world and in the elevator and the elevator hit the ground and, and like, that's it. And so we had to rethink and, and reconsider, you know, what are, we, what are we doing with our lives? Now I share that with you because, you know, it's all good and well to see some of the things that we've done and, and that, that's, that's great, but there's, there's literally hundreds of thousands of other people who have, are doing the same thing and more. But I, I was thinking about earlier how so often we lose track of what God has called us to do just for us. You say, well, I don't know. And, and earlier Robin was talking about, you know, we have a place for you. And I was reminded of the verse that, that Paul shared uh, to the Ephesians. And he said, you know, as, as God begins to bring the body of Christ together, he has a place for each person. As, and, and it grows together, and it, as it is equipped, as it grows together, we, we come into a fullness of, of stature, it says, of, of presence, of being. In other words, when we're not doing what we're called to do, there's something lacking. You know, it's kind of like with a family. If you've got a family and you have you know, chores and different things going on, and one person's not kind of following through on the things they're supposed to do, it, it, you know, it puts it more on, on everybody else. And I'm convinced as a pastor, as a missionary, as just you know, a leader, a dad, a grandpa, everybody has a sense of purpose and has a place within the body of Christ, within the family of God. And so I, I want to just share with you on that line. So if you, if you want to follow along, you can turn with me to Acts chapter 1. If you're not sure where that is, it's right before Acts chapter 2. Does that help? Oh, maybe not. Well, if you find yourself in John, keep turning pages to the, to the right if you're using English. All right. Acts chapter 1, verse 1. I'm going to read 11 verses to you real quickly, and we're just going to, I'm going to use that as a, as a, a point of uh, moving forward in what I want to share with you tonight. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. To them, he presented himself alive after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, 
Why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Let's pray. Lord, as we read your word, we, we look back on something that must have been amazingly astounding. Will you open up our understanding in our hearts and how it even relates to us now? And I pray, Lord, that you would give us not only insight, but that you would move us to that place where we would step forward in faith to fulfill that purpose for which you have called us, to fill that, that place of, of work within your body, that place of service within your body that you've designed specifically for us. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So very quickly, I want to just uh, give you a little bit of a background on this. So the first thing to understand is that when, when Luke was talking about the, the first book, he's talking about the, the Gospel of Luke. And if you look at the Gospel of Luke, at the very last uh, chapter of Luke, Luke chapter 24, in the last verses, they just dovetail right into the book of Acts. And, and it's his account. And there, there's several things that we could look at here. But the primary thing I want you to notice is that this is more or less the last things that the Lord is telling the disciples. And he knows that he's going on. They have no clue, really. I mean, they, they weren't ready for the resurrection, even though he told them about it. You know, the Son of Man is going to go into Jerusalem. He's going to uh, be betrayed and, and mistreated and arrested. And then he's going to die. And then he's going to rise from the dead. They had no clue. They really did not understand what he was talking about. Even though he met, said it to them at least three times that we know of. And then the resurrection came. Still didn't get it. And now he's saying, I want you to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. This gift. And he says, you already know about it. I've already told you. John spoke about it. I've told you about it. Now I want you to wait in Jerusalem. But they had really no clue of what they were waiting for. It's kind of like when you tell a preschool child that you're going to do something at a certain time and they can't process what you mean. All right, we're going to Disney World in two weeks. Well, this is just a friendly ad advisement to you as a parent, if you have preschool children, don't ever say things like that to them. Because for the next two weeks, they will keep asking you over and over and over again, is it time? Is it time? Because they don't have a concept of, of time like we do as we get older. And I have to imagine it's kind of like that. It was kind of like that for, for the disciples. So for 40 days, he spend, Jesus spends time and, and interacts with them on occasion. And then 10 days later, they're sitting in this upper room. They've been praying together for 10 days. They're unified, and the Holy Spirit is poured out upon them. And you can read about it yourself in Acts chapter 2. But what was the purpose for God giving them that power? And by the way, we know the Holy Spirit is with us. We know the Holy Spirit is in us. 
But the distinction of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is poured out upon us. And as Jesus said in John 7, the purpose is, is that out of our innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Not for our sake so much, but for the Lord's sake and for those that are affected by that river of living water. And so again, what was the purpose for them being baptized in the Spirit? So I'm glad you asked me that. If you look at verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the end of the earth. In other words, starting out from Jerusalem, going out into their province of Judea, then going into kind of enemy territory, Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the world. They had no clue what that really meant. And they really didn't even act upon it until much later when persecution broke out and they were scattered. God has a way of getting us motivated at times. But here's the thing that always fascinates me about this story. Is they're going along, he, he tells them that, and while he is talking to them, he's pulled up into the heavens and disappears in the cloud. And they're standing there looking up. And then these two angels come and say, Oh, you men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing into the heavens? This same Jesus will once again return in the same way that you've seen him. I thought, I think I'd be doing the same thing. Wouldn't you? I mean, if, if you saw Jesus, who, who, who you want to spend time with, and he's taken up into heaven, into the clouds, you go, what, what just happened? And, 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 and I look at that, and I, and I realize those two angels there were giving the disciples a not-so-gentle rebuke. Like, what are you doing standing, gazing into the heavens? You know what you're supposed to do. Now go do it. Now here comes the question that I started with. Where are we now as the church, universal, and as the church in America, which has incredible resources, by the way, where are we at in fulfilling the Great Commission? There is, what is it, like 8 billion people now on the face of the earth? 8 billion plus? The majority of them, the overwhelming majority of them, have either never heard the gospel one time, or they don't have any access to hearing the gospel on any kind of continuing basis. Think about that. You say, well, there's the internet now. It's not exactly the same. And you know what? There's a whole lot of people in the world who don't have access to the internet. And here's some questions that I think relate to that. Sometimes I wonder, as a church, are we still looking into the sky? Are we still looking for signs of, of the Lord's return? Or are we busy doing the work that he's called us to? But then the question comes, if I'm not a missionary, if I'm not a cross-cultural missionary, what's my place in that? I mean, how am I supposed to be fulfilling the Great Commission if I'm not a pastor, if I'm not a cross-cultural missionary? And once again, I'm glad you asked me that question. You did ask me that question, right? Okay, just making sure. And I, I want to talk to you about how, how can we, 
extend our presence as a church, any church, outside the four walls, so to speak. Now, I realize you don't always meet here, and I realize you're not limited to just these four walls, but you get what I'm saying about how can we be extended past the four walls of the church? Because so often we're so focused on who we are and what we're doing that we, we lose sight of what's going on on the outside. And, you know, the apostles, we know they were special. They were sent out ones. And they had been trained by Jesus over and over and over again. You know, done different things. But I want you to understand that when we talk about missions or cross-cultural missions, meaning going across various cultures, we're talking simply about an extension of the church out. Isn't that what it says in verse 8? You will be my living witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. Now, I want to be honest with you. When I was pastoring, I had no desire to ever be a missionary overseas. Zero. Yeah. None. I was very happy doing what I was doing. And it was going well, you know. And then God got a hold of my heart, and I won't get into the, the whole story of all that, but it, it changed me radically. And, and you know that to this day, I still can't get rid of that. So I feel a responsibility to help others fulfill that, that role, that, you know, how can I do it? So when I, when I think of, you know, when I talk to people about world missions, if you want to call it world, you know, world missions, if that's how you want to describe it, I want them to understand that this is not an optional kind of thing. There's no optional. It's not a, a you know, like, well, you know, if you want to do this, it's not an additional thing. It is really intended to be the heartbeat of who we are and what we do as a church. And, you know, the importance of it is, is uh, greater than ever, really. You might say, well, yeah, but we've sent out a lot of missionaries and there's been, a, you know, the gospel's going around. There's a funny thing that happens. Generation after generation after generation gets born. And generation after generation after generation of people don't know who Jesus is. In America. Now, now, I grew up having some idea about Jesus. Some idea about Christianity. Now, I grew up in a pretty nominally Christian home. But I had some idea. Today, the average American under, you know, under, what, 20 years old, let's say, is less likely to know anything about Jesus and more likely to know something about, well, Starbucks or something else. I don't know, TikTok. Because it just isn't there any longer. There's no background. It's no longer a part of our fabric and, and in our culture. So, you know, when we, when we think about this, it's, it's important to understand that. So, so how could we be an extension into the rest of the world? Let me give you four things in particular. Prayer and vision to see beyond ourselves. Now, don't shortchange prayer. It's really, really, really important. And by prayer, I mean, um, uh, 
intercession on behalf of missionaries, but also prayer in asking the Lord, just even as we have sung this evening, asking the Lord to give us vision to see people as he sees them, to see the world as he sees the world. Because let's be honest, a lot of times that's not us. We're just looking at what, what occupies us, what's, what's, what our focus is. And I find myself needing to just kind of look up and, and see what's going on. Who's there in front of me? And, and asking the Lord, Lord, help me see what is the next thing you want me, who is the next person you want me to engage with the gospel? Who is the next person I need to just give a word of encouragement to? The second thing is perseverance and training. I want to tell you a quick story. So we lived in the Philippines. The Philippines is oftentimes looked at as a, um, you know, underdeveloped country, third world country. It, it really isn't, but a lot of times people think that. And uh, I remember my oldest daughter had a, a burden to go to Uganda and take a team from the church to go to Uganda. And uh, when she, and so she shared that with me and I, I was on the church board in, in the church that we were involved with in the Philippines. And I said, well, come and, and present it to the board and let's just see where it goes. And they laughed at her. You know, she was college age-ish and, and they laughed at her at first. And so I began to, to kind of exhort them a little bit. Uh, that's a nice word I use there. And um, I used, I, I leveraged my, my influence as an American missionary and the director of two different ministries in there and the amount of people that we would bring uh, every Sunday into the, the church body. And uh, so they had kind of had to listen to me. And so, but, so, and I exhorted them, why not? You know, and, and, you know, the basic thing was, well, we don't have the money. I said, Let's raise the money. And this is a church that isn't like meeting in an impoverished area. This is a church full of people who are business people, professionals, and so on. So it's like there was the money there. And sure enough, in fact, things we did is my youngest daughter printed up some T-shirts, you know, Uganda 2004 outreach and mission or something like that. And and I... When I went back, and when Becky, my oldest daughter, went back to, to the States on furloughs, we, you know, I'd put out the T-shirts, and, and I'd say, you know, all the money that goes for these is going to go for sending this team. We ended up sending a team of, I believe it was eight people. Maybe more than that. Including two staff members from my, my staff at the, at the training center, a student from our Bible college, because his, his family had some money, and, and finally we were able to convince the pastor of the church, who had never even been out of the country other than to come to America for pastor's conference, to go on it. It absolutely changed his life. And in fact, I think he's on his like 12th or 13th Israel tour this coming year. And, and from that point, then they started, uh, sent out a team to Thailand because we had sent out missionaries to Thailand from our Bible college and from that church. 
And so then they started sending a team out every single year. Now, here's the crazy thing. When they went into Uganda, they met with the church in, in Uganda. They were the first mission team to ever come to them, but they were a church plant out of, uh, I think it was New Mexico, U.S. Isn't that amazing? They'd been there for 13 years. And this was the first short-term team that had come to them, and they came from the Philippines. It blew them away. But it opened up a door for them. And more than that, they began to realize, wow, we can do this. Now they, they also have these hope for you, uh, kind of like the Harvest Crusades and things like that. And they do that all over the Philippines. They raise all the money. They send a team of about 50 people out, including a worship team and someone to give a testimony. I, I mean, it's amazing. But so often, we see ourselves limited instead of seeing beyond, you know, our limitations and seeing what God can do. There's always a risk, and that's the third thing I want to talk about is risk and investment. There's always a risk. But we have to see it as an investment. I shared <clears throat> with um, Daniel, um, or no, I think I shared last night about uh, this, this um, wealthy guy who had come over and he was looking at some properties that we were considering to buy for the Bible college. And he, he you know, wealthy guy, and he, he finally said to me, he says, Look, I'm a businessman. What am I going to get out of giving you, I think it was like a couple hundred thousand dollars to buy this property? I said, what are you going to get? You're going to get an investment in the kingdom of God. And we were good on that investment. You know, we've saw people sent out to plant churches, people sent to Thailand to be missionaries and, and others that, that, that were equipped and, and went out to to provide ministry in, in various churches. You see, so often we think of what am I going to get out of it? And once I told him, I said, you're investing in the kingdom of God and it's an inter eternal investment and it's going to continue to bear fruit. He was all in. I'm like, right there, right then, he said, all right, you got it. Let's do it. I, I mean, I was like, kind of shocked, really, but it, it was fun. But here's the other thing is, it requires people. So, very quickly, let's think about world missions first. In world missions, we all can't go, but some of us can. And there's always opportunity for intercession, for communication, for encouragement, for building long-term relationships with, for instance... Jason and Jackie, Esteban and Tiffany, Luis and Kim, you already have that going on. Look, don't underestimate how valuable that is. It's incredibly valuable. I mean, I, one of the things that I, I've found being over in the Philippines, this is before cell phones were common and uh, before email was really uh, a thing that we could utilize. We didn't even have a phone. And it's like, you just feel so isolated. Uh, last week, I think it was, I was talking to a friend of mine who's gone over to Uganda with a friend, uh, with his wife, I mean. And I was, I was just talking with him. And he was just so encouraged just to see us face to face over my iPhone and, and, to, and to talk and to encourage him. 
So don't underestimate things like that. And then having an awareness of the needs in the world. There's a, there's a, a website, I'll, I'll tell you right now, it, it's pretty easy to remember, joshuaproject.org. And if you ever have, want to have any concept of what the need is and why there's a value for us to be involved in supporting, encouraging, praying for missionaries, this will blow your mind. I mean, it is amazing. All the different um, people groups that you could, I mean, more than you can even imagine. And it'll give you uh, numbers of people that are totally unreached, never have heard the gospel, have no access to it whatsoever. And then also the billions of people that are still unengaged. That means nobody's there to engage them in, in, in Bible study, in prayer, or discipleship of any kind. But I want you to, I want to open up another door for you about local cross-cultural missions. You say, excuse me, we're in Southern Florida. That's not possible. Absolutely it's possible. Because the reality is, we are a nation of immigrants. And I know immigration is a big issue right now, politically and that sort of thing, but think beyond that. And think about how many different people groups exist in our nation who most of them don't know English very well, but they have to function within the world with English. I mean, that alone, if you, if you know English, and I'm assuming you do because you're here and you're listening to me, you can teach people how to speak English. And that opens up a door to evangelize. And that opens up a door to disciple people. And that opens up a door just to build relationships with people and encourage them. I mean, it's as simple as praying for someone. Here's another idea. How about, these are people who, they don't have a way to get around, but they need to, there's all these different things that the government requires of them, or they need a job, or they need housing, or they need food, or whatever. And a lot of times, they just need assistance. They need to have somebody just come and help them get to that place and, and, and do that. Sometimes it's whole communities. I mean, there literally will be an apartment complex that's full of people who are all from different nations. And that's cross-cultural missions. And do you know that the biggest source of missionaries being sent out into the world is from many of those very countries coming to America to evangelize America? It's a real need. It's a, I mean, it's a reality. So, so don't think, well, you know, we're just here. And here's another thing. You have missionaries coming in. How about hosting them? How about encouraging them? How about seeing if there's things that, that maybe you have a capacity to do that they don't have? All those things are of value. And uh, short-term mission. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, you, you, I, I think you have one planned. Is that right? Is that what you said? So, so even that says, well, I can't go. Maybe you can't go, but maybe you can help someone else go. Maybe you can do something to help them in the process of going. Maybe there's something else that, along the way, you know, some detail, just like 
uh, Robin was talking about, you know, setting up and, and tearing down again. There's always something for you to do. The question is, are we stepping into it? Or are we just sitting back waiting for someone to ask us? And I want to encourage you tonight to give some thought about that. I mean, it can't hurt, can it? I mean, I never wanted to be a missionary. And now I are one, or was one. But it's never been taken out of my heart. And I want to encourage you to think beyond whatever has been in your life right now. Think beyond that. Don't be limited by, well, I can't, I can't, you know. Ask God to show you. Ask God to make it known to you. He can and he will if we're listening. And if we're not just looking up in the sky waiting for Jesus to come back. Let's pray, all right? Father, I thank you for the privilege it is to come and to share not just your word, but your encouragement, your exhortation to your people that we might be the church that you've called us to be, Lord. Not just this church here, but the church throughout America and the church worldwide. But help us, Lord, to see what, what is our part here at this time. How can each one of us step forward in what you've, you would call us to do? Give us eyes to see. Even as you looked upon the people and you saw them as sheep without a shepherd, scattered and harassed, you saw them differently than the disciples did. Lord, give us eyes to see that too. People that we come in contact with throughout the week. Give us a heart to reach out to them and, and, and pray for them. Whether it's the server as we're at a restaurant or, or just somebody we, we, that we can just encourage with a word. And then, Lord, keep opening up our eyes to look beyond ourselves, beyond whatever limitations we think we have, that we might see our place in your church body and within the kingdom of God that will enable us to do what you've called us to do in fulfilling that great commission at the end of every gospel, that we're to go out, we're to preach, we're to teach, we're to disciple, we're to bring forgiveness, we're to bring restoration. Thank you, Lord. In your name, we pray. Amen. Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Williams at Redemption Church in Delray Beach. Thank you so much for listening to that message. We pray it was an encouragement. It was a blessing to you as we love to pursue and to proclaim Jesus together. And so no matter where you're listening, whether it be YouTube or our podcast, you can go to more resources at redemptiondb.com and even partner with us in ministry to pursue and to proclaim Jesus. God bless you. And thank you so much for listening.